You're listening to The Shepherd's Voice, featuring the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Singapore, Archbishop William Goh. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we celebrate this Mass to conclude the Archdiocesan Assembly, we want to draw from the Word of God, especially this Feast of the Holy Trinity which we are celebrating, how we should continue to be empowered and to grow the Church, to be more effective in the mission entrusted to us by the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Pentecost, where we were asked to go out to proclaim the good news to all creation. The Holy Spirit has gathered the church as one, visibly manifesting ourselves as church. Today on this Feast of the Holy Trinity, we are reminded specifically what our mission is all about. Our mission is really to bring unity among all men and women. But this unity can only be possible if men are reconciled with God. Our mission is really one of communion. And if the mission is to be accomplished, as St. John Paul II tells us, it must be accomplished in communion. It would be ironical for us to try to promote communion in the world when we ourselves are divided. And so it is urgent that as we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity, we are asked to imitate the life of the Holy Trinity because to celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity is to celebrate the communion in God. One person, one God and three persons. My dear brothers and sisters, St. John Paul II tells us in his apostolic letter at the beginning of the new millennium, what is so necessary for the church before putting any practical plans in place? We need to cultivate the spirituality of communion. And so that is why when we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity, let it not be an empty feast because the way to celebrate this feast is not to be intellectually curious how God can be one and then three persons. It's very confusing. And also, when we talk about God is one and three persons, it's not three persons as Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John got three minds and three wills. In God, there is only one will, one mind. When we talk about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, we are speaking about this distinct reality participating in the one essence, expressing, grasping the divinity in three different ways. My dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the Trinity, therefore, requires us to understand how the Holy Trinity revealed Himself to us in the economy of salvation, and this is what the scripture readings of today tries to illustrate. In the first reading, we are told that God is distinct from wisdom. 
Wisdom, of course, participates in God. But wisdom is not identified with creation, the beginning of creation. So there is a certain distinction already in God. And of course, we know that this wisdom is manifested in Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God in person. Jesus is the fullness of God, the visible expression of God, and Jesus, therefore, is the one who shows us the face of the Father. And finally, we are told in today's Gospel, Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that endows the church with the different gifts. And so, when we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity, this evening, we want to ask ourselves, how can we imitate the life of the Holy Trinity? So it's very important first to bear in mind that the Holy Spirit has bestowed on the church, on each one of us, with different gifts, different charisms. I think it's very important, as I mentioned to you earlier on, that there is only one church, one body of Christ. We are different parts of this body. We are blessed with different charisms. Every charism in the church, given by the Spirit, is important for the growth of the community and for the service of the mission. That is why it's very important that in the church, every charism must be received with gratitude and every charism must be promoted so that truly the face of God is seen in the lives of our people. And that is how we build the church together. This reminds us of what St. John Paul II tells us. If we want to grow in communion, we must contemplate on the Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity that is living in our hearts, the Holy Trinity that is present in the faces of our brothers and sisters. And this is why the spirituality of communion that St. John Paul II speaks about requires us to be truly identified with the mystical body of Christ, that we are part of this body. A greater consciousness that we are part of this body will help us to work together, to collaborate together. That we are not separated. The success of our brother is my success. That is why there should be no jealousy, no envy. All we desire at the end of the day is the glory of God that His message is proclaimed. We need to keep that focus always in mind. Otherwise, we can be misled into fulfilling our own ambition, fulfilling our own egoistic satisfaction in life. To be a member of this body of Christ also requires us that we learn to recognize that the gifts that our brothers or sisters have received 
Not only we should rejoice with them, but we rejoice with them also because when God gives somebody a gift, that gift is meant for us. <laughs> and that is life. That is why I do not see why we should be envious when others are blessed with talents. The talents are never for ourselves. The gifts are never for ourselves only. The gifts are meant to be shared. So whenever someone is gifted, we praise, we thank God because we are going to have a share of it. Huh? It's like those, you know, who strike lottery. Huh? I'm very happy for them. <laughs> because they're going to donate to the church. I'm not envious. I don't buy lottery. <laughs> because others, they are generous enough. So whatever talents we have, it is important, gives blessings, therefore, the service of others. But there is one more thing that St. John Paul II reminds us. This is a question of tolerance, of bearing the burdens and the weaknesses of others. Sometimes I feel that although we claim to be a community, I think as church, we are quite intolerant of imperfections, of mistakes, of inefficiency, because we are KS, Kiasu, Singaporean. Everything must be perfect. But the church, my dear brothers and sisters, is not perfect unless all of us are canonized already. The church is a place of sinners. I wish, my dear brothers and sisters, that we be more tolerant of each other, tolerant of the imperfections of others. If you think you're very saintly, if you think you're very holy, you should be able to accept the weaknesses of others. And I think this church, sometimes I feel like tolerance. Little bit, little bit complain to the bishop. Little bit, little bit complain to the bishop. Uh, bishop, how come this priest so stingy never switch on that light? Uh, that also complain. <laughs> Toilet working also complain to me. They think I'm a maintenance officer. Columbarium, the lights never switch on. Also complain to me. Because the dead need to rest. Cannot switch on the light. So, you know, my dear brothers and sisters, we need to have greater compassion. Because this is a church where everybody must feel comfortable. That doesn't mean to say we just continue with the, the mistakes that we have made. Yeah, we need to take them into consideration seriously. We need to grow. We need to help people to change. But we need patience. We need forgiveness. Sometimes I feel the church, many of us are supposedly holy, but they lack forgiveness. Some can be very vindictive, very revengeful. But that is not what the church is. So my dear brothers and sisters, it is important as we begin this new journey, as we started this uh, synodal process, you have heard the pains, you have heard the cries, 
you know the challenges we are facing as church, not just the organization. And this is where I think the great beauty about this synod process is that we have opened your eyes. And many of you have shared with me, and actually I'm very proud of you all in that sense, that in this synodal process, many of you truly listen from your heart. I didn't hear any complaint from you all, oh, that stupid fella, huh? say these things. No. In fact, all of you tell me, I have learned a lot from my team members. They have opened my eyes because everybody was sharing from their heart, withholding judgment, trying to feel with each other. That is the way we grow as a community. That is the way we support one another. That is the way we become truly sojourners, companions along the way. And I'm grateful for this uh, experience that all of us have gone through. So my dear brothers and sisters, the next step is to how to we maintain this communion that we have started. So, as what uh, Lawrence has said, and we're going to start the Archdiocesan Pastoral Council. But again, St. John Paul II, a man very sharp, he says, all these structures are important to build communion, but they remain structures, external structures, if it is established without a soul. Structures alone cannot change. So I'm quite happy eh, that uh, governance structures came out in the 4th or 5th. <laughs> Changing structures alone cannot change lives. Structures are important. It's changing people. That's why, let me tell you, when you indicated the priorities, Christian living, discipleship, number one. Number two, formation. Number three, liturgy. A hello. It is not you who are indicating to the archdiocese, to your bishop, what you need. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit telling you what you need because he knows many of you will not do it. <laughs> Take this as the Holy Spirit telling you you need discipleship. You need formation. Don't just say, oh yes, it's indicated. Now we got to make it happen. Only make it happen for yourself. Happen for our 360,000 Catholics. Because that is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Not you saying to the Holy Spirit. Not you, you're not saying to me. It's the Holy Spirit that is telling you, make you can do those kind of voting when it should not be the case. Why you vote those things? Because you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. So, the Archdiocesan Pastoral Council will hopefully help us to continue this process of this uh, journey and together we will build a church and together we will empower our Catholics. And as I've said, the great thing about the Holy Spirit also is that the Holy Spirit is certainly 
through uh, Pope Francis, empowering especially the laity. I see a great future actually for this church, not only our local church, for the universal church. Because you know the Holy Father has written the apostolic constitution, Radicate Evangelium, which concerns governance and structure. Pope Francis makes it clear, when Pope Benedict started, uh, Pope St. John Paul II calls the laity collaborators. Pope Benedict was not, was not satisfied enough to call us collaborators. He says we are co-responsible. Now Pope Francis is now putting into action what the previous Holy Fathers have said. Co-responsible means you have the authority of governance. So, during this consistory in Rome, the Holy Father wants to speak to the cardinals on how to implement this um, apostate constitution. How we can empower the lay faithful, empower especially the women, women. Uh, uh, <laughs> to work together with the clergy, and together, I can tell you honestly, this is a great sign of God working again in our church. Because if clergy and laity work together, I tell you, we will change life. The church will grow. It cannot be the work of the clergy alone. It cannot be the laity alone. It must be together. And I pray, my dear brothers and sisters, that there will be greater collaboration, greater co-responsibility in growing this church. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, featuring His Grace, Archbishop William Goh. This podcast is brought to you by Catholic SG Radio.